I'm Deontay Burton, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Hamadou Diallo. Hey, I'm Danilo Gallinari. I'm Chris Paul, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Luke Dort, and I'm down to Dort. What's Dort? I, I'm not going to lie. I don't know what that was. In English, bro. I'm Darius Baisley, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Shake Gilders Alexander. I'm Steven Adams. I'm Andre Robertson, and I'm down to dunk. Yeah. On you. Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schlecht. We are part of the Athletic Podcast Network. With me today, got Michele Barra, as always, and special guest, Fred Katz. What's up, guys? Wow. What a trio. <laughs> what a trio. <laughs> Did you just say what a trio about a group of people that includes you yourself? <laughs> oh, man. So the Thunder beat the Wizards you, 121 to 103. Uh, Fred is on because he's he is the Wizards expert. He's told me before that he thinks that, that he's probably the person that exists in this world that thinks the most about the Wizards outside of people that work for the Wizards. And I think that's true. So we have our, our Wizards expert here. I think it's completely true. Yeah. I actually I actually don't even think it's a hot take. <laughs> <laughs> I being somebody that that produces your podcast, I think that I would agree. I would totally I just agree. sit around. I just sit around thinking the way it could be one in the morning. I could be lying in bed watching like, I don't know, old episodes of Parks and Rec and and Ron Swanson could say something and I could be like, huh, what if Bonga came over to help from the weak side to <laughs> double in the post more? Like, what if they did that? And then I could just get up and call up Synergy and watch Bonga clips. And 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 then I won't go to bed till four. Those are my evenings. It's amazing. This is when you text me like at like three AM in the morning mm-hmm. about Bonga's numbers. Oh, that's mm-hmm. great. Yeah, this is exactly what's happening. When you when you when you get texts at 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 three AM in the morning my time. So I guess what? That's nine AM for you? You're yeah. like, you're starting your day and I'm basically like rejuvenating for a second wind. Just like, just like taking, taking hits of Jerome Robinson isolation defense. This is a true it's illness. Great. This is a true illness that, that you have here, Fred. <laughs> uh, so Gilles Alexander had a nice bounce back game. 18 points, seven assists, six rebounds. Uh, the passing today was great. I think part of it is that they were more focused, and part of it is that maybe the Wizards are the worst defensive team in the bubble. Which which do you think played more into that, McKelly? Well, I think that the good thing is the Wizards tried to play zone, and this is something that OKC struggled to, to play. They didn't do a good job, but at least it was a schematically a defense that put that can put uh, OKC into into trouble. And and I think that Shea was much much better attacking the zone they they were better in finding uh guys off dribble drives and and off of like hockey passes so uh, i think that even if the again the the defense that the, that the whistle play was was kind of bad uh or actually well very bad um it was still a good exercise for shay to to play against that kind of defense yeah i agree I think it it was it was good for them to get a look because I mean they've struggled like Miami played zone and just absolutely destroyed OKC. 
uh, in OKC. Yeah. I know they're missing some players, but still, like they they looked really bad, and it was it was good to see them to play well. And part of that too was that they had Mike Muscala out there who shot the ball really well. You had Darius Baisley who was five of eight from three today. Uh, when you're making threes, that helps. Yeah, it helps. I mean, uh, against um, against the, the Grizzlies, they generated for a good part of the game the same kind of shots. They were just missing them. Basically missed a lot of shots against the Grizzlies. He was very good tonight. And But I but I think that the passing was at another level. Uh, the the ball touched more hands, like the more guys were involved uh, in attacking the zone. You, you you generally don't want to attack as a straight straight uh, drive. You you want to to move the defense from one side of the uh, to the other with with passing, with cross court passes and stuff like that. And I think that OKC did a, a better job. Again, the circumstances were like clearly different from the game the game um, against Memphis, but still, it's a good exercise. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Darius Baisley became the youngest player in Thunder history today. Scored 20-plus points off the bench. He had 23 points, 7 boards, an assist, a steal, 5 of 8 from 3. I thought he started out the game just pretty bad. He had uh, 2 fouls, like 2 really quick fouls once he came off the bench. and It looked like he was a little bit out of sorts, but he was able to refocus and, and played a really nice game and the Wizards clearly were not worried about Baisley shooting threes at all, and he made him pay for it. I like I like Baisley. Um, I think he's the exact Thunder type that they go at, and I think if he can shoot, it vastly changes. Um, if he can shoot well enough for people to guard him, it vastly changes his outlook, I think. Now, the thing that the Wizards did with him today, which I've seen them do with numerous people, which is the scouting report on Baisley is – you don't need to close out hard on him at the three-point line. You can give him three-point shots. He's pretty good at putting the ball on the floor on the rare occasions that somebody does come out at him hard. He's like quick for his size. You don't want to do that, but I thought with the where the Wizards messed up today, which they do a lot with all of their young defenders and a lot of their undisciplined defenders is what they do is they take the message of, all right, this guy doesn't shoot threes. You don't need to close out hard on him as, all right, we don't need to guard that guy. It's fine. So they just kind of left him alone, let him do his thing. And he was in rhythm on all those threes. And he wasn't just open, but he was in rhythm and he was unbothered. And I think sometimes with young defenders, what you see is I don't need to close out hard on this guy means I don't ever need to even try to bother this guy. NBA players are really good. Even guys who can't shoot can shoot if they're completely unbothered. Now he hit five threes. I'm not saying he'll hit five threes if you guard him like that every time. But I don't think the Wizards exactly helped themselves with the way that they defended him. But I, I like him. I think he I could easily see him becoming a good player. He's he's very he's very thundery. He's very Sam Presti. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought it might be fun to to go through the young players because there's a lot of young guys on the court today. And the Thunder threw out some very young lineups, and the Wizards have been doing that as well. Just kind of go through these players and, and maybe kind of rank them. I think SGA is is probably easily the best player uh, amongst all these guys. But we'll start with Fred. Who like who would you put second in this group? We're talking like SGA, Rui, Dort, Bonga, Troy Brown, Baisley, Hamadou Diallo. Uh, we don't count Nader. He's a fake young guy. Burton's a fake young guy. Do the, do the Wizards have any fake young guys? Those are guys that like 
I've only been in the league a couple of years, but they're like 27 already. Dr- I love, I Jerome lo- Robinson. I love the idea of a fake. Well, Jerome Robinson's only 23. Yeah. I I love the idea of a fake young guy. I, I love um, displacing terminology we talk about with athletes to just real life. Like, <laughs> like I like the idea of like a baby being born two weeks after its due date and then it being born and Andrew being like, nah, it's a fake young guy. Yeah. He was supposed to be born like two weeks ago. <laughs> it's not really a baby. Why isn't he walking? Or like a baby coming out of the womb two weeks early and being fine and healthy and good. Being like, yeah, of course he's walking early. He came out of the womb early. Um, I think I'd take Troy Brown. I think I would. Second. I like Troy Brown. I think so. Yeah. I just think I think his game is is becoming really far along. Uh, he's, he's at like 17, six and five mm-hmm. in the bubble right now, just turned 21 years old last week. Uh, he is not the, at all the best athlete of the remaining guys. Yeah. But, but I, I think he's going to end up being really skilled and I think he, the other young guys, there's, there, there is a, there is a floor on all the other young guys that we named, which I think is well below Troy Brown's floor. Um, I think at this point we can say Troy Brown is going to be a good passer, a smart player, a he's going to be good at running pick and rolls. He's already one of the best rebounding guards in the league. And the guy's pulling down like seven or eight rebounds every single game. Yeah. He he actually has a higher rebound rate than than Rui Hachimura. His rebound rate is around 12, 12% right now, which for a a, a, a one in two guard is is excellent. Uh, so he's one of the best rebounding guards in the league. I think he's going to get there as a team defender. He's never going to be a one-on-one shutdown guy because he's just not that kind of athlete. He's not that kind of power guy. But I think he's going to be a right play guy. And if if the shot gets better, which it's better now than it was five months ago, and uh, it's certainly better now than it was a year, year and a half ago, if he gets to a point where he's just like – on a decent amount, on a decent volume of threes, he can shoot 39% on catch and shoots, and he can just shoot like well enough so that everybody doesn't have to go under those screens against him, uh, whether those are pick and rolls or whether he's doing dribble handoff, whether he's running off them. I think he could be a really, really solid player. And I just, they're, they're good players in this group. They're guys who I think will be good players. Uh, but I, I don't see like an all-star here. And like Baisley's got a higher ceiling than Troy Brown. Rui probably has a higher ceiling than Troy Brown. But to me, those guys are their futures are still more volatile, you know. So, yeah, I'll say. I mean, I might be wrong, but I'll I'll say I'll say Troy Brown on that one. Do you, do you guys think that's a that's a that's a wild take? Um, no, I don't think that is wild. Um, I'm not ready to. Well, I don't know who to put second. To be honest with you, I mean, Rui has his own issues. I mean, I think that as you said, Rui is a much higher ceiling. But I thought that he could be better uh, in this season. Uh, I thought his scoring could be better. Um, His overall like NBA awareness could be better. There is something to say about about Rui though. He tends to to have an adjustment period. He had a huge adjustment period from uh, the time he came uh, from Japan to Gonzaga and then his first season and even the second season. But he became a star in the third. I wonder if he, if we will see the same thing with Rui in the NBA, because it seems to me that he, he didn't adjust to the speed of the NBA game yet. And he didn't find his place, um, or at least from, from the game I saw. Um, so it, it's tough because you don't want to put Dort 
second nor basely uh, Dort because I think that the ceiling is kind of set for him. Uh, even if I like the fact that he... No, no, I mean, uh, I don't see him becoming an all-star anyway. Uh, in the same way, I don't see Marcus Smart becoming an all-star. Yeah. This doesn't mean that he can be uh, a very good starter. He's already a good starter. He can be a very good starter. I don't think that there is all-star ceiling for him. I don't think that there is all-star ceiling for, for Brown, but he plays a different role. Like lead ball handler can be more valuable than defender that can shoot three and maybe handle the ball here and there. I think that basically has the chance to be better. Uh, but the floor is lower. Um, I think the defense is good, but the consistency right now is not there. And I would be surprised if, if like, for a guy like that is 20, he didn't play meaningful basketball for a year, and he's playing good minutes in a good team now. But it still struggled with consistency, with uh, with the shooting, and, and also with decision making. So. I don't know. I mean, it's it's really a toss-up between him, Achimura, and um, and Troy Brown. I think Dort is a tad lower again, mainly because of the ceiling. I think that if you if you look at the floor, Dort will be on the court for, I would say, the next five years at least if yeah. he plays this kind of defense. Because there is no way in any team that a guy like that doesn't play. Hey, fellas, are you prepared to unveil your summer bod? The beaches are opening. The sun is shining, and it's time to get Manscaped. Manscaped is here to ensure your post-quarantine body is ready for the wild. Manscaped is dedicated to helping you level up your full body grooming game. They have forever changed the grooming game with their Perfect Package 3.0. That includes an Essential Lawnmower 3.0, that's waterproof, cordless, body trimmer, and a ton of other liquid formulations to round out your manscaping routine. I own the Lawnmower 3.0 and it is a great product. I think it has a light on it for accurate grooming. And it's just a just a really well-made product. It is great. And inside the perfect package, you'll find Manscaped's crop preserver and anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer because we know how painful chafing can be when you're wearing your bathing suit all day long. So make sure you use that. And also make sure that you get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC at manscaped.com. Do yourself a favor and always use the right tools for the job. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with the free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code THEATHLETIC. And for a limited time, subscribers get not one, but two free gifts. The Shed Travel Bag, which is a $39 value, and the patented high-performance anti-chafing Manscaped Boxer Briefs. They're good. I really, I've got some, uh, and I wear them, and they're wonderful. So make sure that you get some too, and go to manscaped.com today and use the code THEATHLETIC. I mean, I would say SGA... Troy Brown, Rui, and then one of the Thunder guys. Whether you think it's Dort or you think it's Baisley, I mean, I think that you could argue either one today. I think you'd probably pick Dort mm-hmm. today because I think that Dort is going to play in the playoffs no matter what. I yeah, I think Baisley will play, but I think that there's a better chance that you see Baisley just pulled from the lineup altogether in like a game five situation than it would be Dort. 
So oh, I can see Dort playing alongside a three-point guard. To be honest with you, yeah. Like if you play the Lakers uh, somehow, and the Lakers go with an AD uh, at center lineup with Dor- with uh, LeBron James at the four, I think that Billy will try Dort on him, and just play the other three-point guards. Yeah, um, I don't know who else you'd put or, on, who or else like, you try to put on him. I don't know. I mean, there is more chance. You're right. I mean, if you look at the next playoffs, I do think that Dort will play more than Maisley. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the talent after that, it kind of drops off. Like you've got Hami who's played well, but I still don't trust it. You have Terrence Ferguson who played today and didn't shoot the ball well, but did play, which was encouraging. You have Jerome Robinson who maybe we should talk about Fred should we talk about Jerome Robinson he, he's played well I mean, in the bubble Jer- Jerome Robinson has been good enough in the bubble that we have to at least talk about him yeah like Jerome Robinson I haven't checked after this game but he was he was what today he was uh seven for 15 for the field four for nine from three I think he was he had like a 46 37 uh field and three goal and three point shooting line coming into this game in the bubble which is like totally respectable and and he's doing it on a high volume of threes. His shot selection is getting better. He takes too many mid-range pull-ups for my liking, but it's it's getting better and I know that's something the team is actively working with on him. If he shoots at this level, like he's an NBA player, he's a rotation player. Yeah. If if he can shoot, he can do some stuff off the dribble. He's got to become a better passer and pick and rolls if he's going to play the way he plays. Uh, cuz he I think he struggles with those reads, but like it's his second year and he's had very little NBA playing time. He didn't play very much with the Clippers, and the Clippers also never really practice. Yeah. Doc Rivers doesn't practice, so he just he didn't have time. So, so I think, um, yeah, he should be in the conversation. He should for sure. He should for sure be in the before, conversation. before or after Isak Bonga. Mm. For I, I would say after because I don't know how real the shot making is. Mm-hmm. So it was really college. Yeah, it was real in college. Though that's what's interesting about them. He was when he came out of college, he was an offense first guy, right? And then he yeah. the only reason he played 11 minutes a game or whatever it was with the Clippers was because he was he was a good one-on-one defender. And so the Clippers would use him in those situations and he couldn't hit jumpers and he missed a lot of stuff around the rim. And his his offense just completely went away. And uh I don't uh I don't know what this means that it's happening in the bubble. The whole thing with him has been confidence his whole time. Mm-hmm. He needs confidence. What everyone with the Wizards says, and it's what everyone with the Clippers said, he needs confidence. It's like I don't know how to grade the fact that he's now making shots when there are no fans there if the whole thing with him was confidence. You know, I just – I don't know. It could mean that he just figured it out. It could totally mean that. It could also mean that uh, he's making shots because – no fans there and he's not psyched out by 20,000 people when he gets back with 20,000 people in the arena it's it's back to being a, a 35% shooter I, and his defense is not good enough to hold up 35% shooting so I, I don't I don't know so I would say Bonga ahead of him now I think Bonga's got the higher ceiling because I could see Bonga turning into a really good defender he's only 20 years old mm-hmm. I could see Bonga turning into a really good defender but Bonga's still so raw like he's still so raw the 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 shot is not there. The release is still slow. Um, his body is not there. But he has moments defensively where I'm like, that was really good. 
like mm-hmm. fundamentally that was so good. Like he's learned to use his length. Well, his footwork has gotten good. Um, you just see it as like, Oh, okay. Like that was really good. Like I could, I could see Bonga Bonga's not going to be a star or anything, but I could see him being one of those guys who's just a really good role player on a good team, you know? And I could, I could see Robinson becoming that, or if he goes back to being a 35% shooter, then then he's not a rotation piece. So I just, I don't know. It's too small a sample to analyze at this point with him. Mm-hmm. Today's show is sponsored by Artifact. Artifact sets you up with one of their professional interviewers to capture stories about important people or things in your life. Think about it like a podcast episode about whatever you want. With Artifact, you can capture family history with parents and grandparents, talk about friends and family as a birthday, wedding, or anniversary gift, both about how they've made a difference in your life, and also you can share some hilarious stories. I ordered my first Artifact to capture uh, the kidney donation that I gave to my father-in-law. Step one, here's how it went. I went to heyartifact.com and I told them a few basic things about what I wanted the Artifact to be about. Step two, then I answered a few pre-interview questions and scheduled my interview. The whole thing just took a few minutes. And then step three, I actually did the 30-minute interview that was really easy. It was all over the phone. I actually did mine over the computer, which gave us a little bit better sound. But it was a great experience. The interviewer was really good. Uh, they, I, this was honestly a professional interviewer. They knew exactly what they were doing. And I feel really excited now to hear my artifact. I haven't gotten it yet, but I can't wait to see what they're able to do. Uh, I will be sharing that episode for you when it's ready. But for now, you can go to heyartifact.com and hear some awesome samples. There's a ton of ways to use Artifact to capture stories with your friends and family. Now, when you're ready to make an Artifact of your own, use the promo code DUNK to get $40 off your first one. That's heyartifact.com and use the code DUNK for $40 off. The confidence guys scare me in the NBA where it's like, yeah, his issue is confidence. I don't, I don't know how many of those guys work out in the long run. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. By the way, by the way, I know, I know Thunder Twitter. I'll come with pitchforks on this, but I'm still in on Terrence Ferguson. Yeah. Tell me, tell me why. Yeah. Um, I had a coach tell me once it's something I always think about. I had a coach tell me once. When a guy is in the slump, in a slump, people always look for basketball reasons as to why. They look for fundamental reasons as to why. And maybe there is a fundamental reason as to why. But often, even if there's a fundamental reason, that fundamental reason is stemmed by something going on off the court. Mm-hmm. And as we all know, Terrence Ferguson is, has gone through personal stuff this year. And I, I don't know for sure if that's what's affecting him. But when we see a guy have a down gear and really kind of fall off a map – what would what seems like an inexplicable regression at such a young age, and we know he's going through something difficult personally, then it just makes me think, okay, well, like Occam's razor, going through a hard time in your life, that affects you in your job. And I just think back to what that coach told me, like, look, look at off the floor, look for the human reasons why someone would struggle professionally. Um, So so let's see if if Terrence when Terrence Ferguson's life gets back to normal. Let's see how he is then. 
I so I'm I'm still in on Terrence Ferguson because I liked him before. I thought he was, I thought he was turning into a really good defender, mm-hmm. really yep. good. And uh, his issue looks like he's just thinking about everything, right? Like his yeah, his his mentality is so different. Remember when he was a rookie and we would joke like, "Oh, Terrence Ferguson has never seen a shot he doesn't like." Mm-hmm. Has when was the last time he saw a shot he liked? Like 2018. Yeah. So, so yeah. yeah, yeah. So. Yeah. So I'm just – I'm not jumping off off the bandwagon that quick. I'm just – I'm waiting to see. I'm looking at a little more nuanced, and I'm waiting to see, like, okay, is 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 he going to be – is he going to be uh, – how is he going to be when things get back to normal? And and I think it's totally possible that he still turns into a really good 3 and D guy. Yeah. So I'm not out on him. Yeah. No, I think that's fair. It's totally fair. I might be out on him for this specific playoff run, oh, but I'm yeah, not. Yeah. But I, but I'm not out on him in 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 the long run. Like I don't think the Thunder should just give up on him. I would, but it's tough. It, it's tough because you have to start con- contract negotiation basically next September, o- October, whatever. Um, you can get him for cheap, probably, but do you want to lock in? I don't know, two point something millions a year. To just try if you're still good when when you have other guys that you like clearly um, and that play the same spot. I don't know. It's it's tough because if you if you sign him to a contract, you need to give him space to to be on the court. Um, I I know that Hami now he's playing better, but if your long term plan is to try to play Ferguson more, he needs to get 20 a night. He needs, if you want to, to get him back, uh, the point where he was even last season in in the playoffs against Portland, there was a game where he hit five threes. I mean, that player is useful, especially in a team where, like, players will find you in the corner for an open three, and so it's it's tough to to say, well, I don't want the Thunder to to just give up on him, but. They also have other guys that they like, and they deserve the same amount of time to develop. And it becomes tricky with a guy like Ferg that needs to get a contract in, yeah. in a year, basically. So I wonder if the solution for Ferguson is just try another team that needs a, play like, a player like that, that has more space, more room, uh, more playing time for him, and just pull the trigger. I think that he, he can be similar to, to Jeremy Lamb, who was a good player, the Thunder surely give up on him soon, but because they had probably other plans, they wanted to try other players. He was not a done, like a player that had no place in the league back then, but the best chance for him was to move him in a place where he could get 25 a night with less pressure. Yeah, I think that makes total sense. Uh, So I, I, I guess that uh, Dennis Schroeder was telling people. So he was in the the virtual crowd today, and apparently he was telling people in these waiting rooms that he's coming back to the bubble tomorrow. And so that would mean that he would be able to play for the Thunder in roughly five days. So, which is good timing for Schroeder to to get back right before the playoffs start. Um, but yeah, so that's that's apparently the rumor that's going around about uh, Dennis Schroeder. They were also missing Stephen Adams and Erlens Noel today. 
And Mike Muscala played in their stead and was very good. 14 points on 5'11", shooting 4 of 8 from 3. I thought he filled in really well. Uh, anything else from today? It was it was a good bounce-back game, but also against um, a mostly G League Washington Wizards. <laughs> yeah, I think that we should at least mention the fact that Dort was, again, very, very good today. Um, yeah. I like the fact... I like the fact that he never stops the flow of the offense. I said it probably too many times, but when you have a guy that defends at that level and understand the game and did, like he doesn't make too many bad choices on offense and maybe you, you want like some of his like like penetration uh, straight line drives back because you, he's not as good uh, in that in those situations, but Overall, I think that his IQ is something that should be discussed more. Uh, and it's really, it seems to me that it's growing comfortable in his role. Yeah, he fits really He's well good. with the group. Fits really well. He's good. You think Steven Adams knows who he is yet? <laughs> <laughs> who? What's Thorpe? <laughs> <laughs> the the full clip is so funny because he it's I mean, the greatest thing of all time i try to like, explain it to him and he is just just perplexed as to who it is like who are you talking about <laughs> like, look at Stuart. there's somebody there's a thunder staffer in the background that goes uh he's on your team <laughs> <laughs> it's it's gotta be a bit at this point with steven like yeah, remember With when the Nicola thing? Yeah, remember when he didn't know Demarcus Cousins's first name? <laughs> <laughs> Just say he didn't know his name. And this is not like a Russell Westbrook saying "who" situation. It's clearly not meant yes as an insult. Right. He just there's no way he could be because because I know Stephen. Like he studies scouting reports very intensely. And watches film very intensely. Yes. Like, there's no way that he could do that and then be like, what, cousins? What's his? <laughs> yeah. It's got to be a bit. It's got to be a bit. It's uh, got to be. And he's so dry that it could plausibly be a bit. Yeah. Yeah, it could. Uh, something else that could be a bit is this ad from Indochino. I'd like to get into the standings with the thunder because right now if the playoffs started today which is my least favorite sentence ever said on any radio or podcast but they'd be matched up with the houston rockets and we've talked about this on the pod for what feels like months and what could be months that this is like the the highest ceiling lowest floor scenario for the thunder uh fred as an from an outsider's perspective, who would you favor in a Rockets Thunder series? So this is fascinating to me because it's not it's not just great from the from like the obvious narrative perspectives of Russell Westbrook against the Thunder and Chris Paul against the Rockets and 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 the obvious stuff. Um, stylistically, like. I, I I don't know what Steven Adams is going to be like because 
let's let's assume the Steven Adams injury that he has right now isn't that serious and and he's back for the start of the playoffs and he looks exactly like he did during the first four bubble games or whatever it was, okay? Let's just operate mm-hmm. under that assumption. So Steven throughout the year, his body tends to break down and he just doesn't physically look like the same guy in April as he does in November, pretty much every year, right? And we've mm-hmm. seen him have success in switchy sort of defenses, having to guard on the perimeter in major playoff series. But that was like four years ago. Right. And I, yeah. I haven't really thought of him as quick and as agile as he was during, say, the 2016 Western Conference Finals against Golden State. But if he can move like he's looked like in those four bubble games, I think that could potentially change some stuff for the Thunder. I think if he looks like 2019 playoff Steven Adams, 2018 playoff Steven Adams, mm-hmm. I could see him struggling in that matchup. And I think they need him to be consequential in order for them to win that series. Uh, I think the big thing with them will be how is Steven Adams going to play against that lineup and having to guard P.J. Tucker in the corner. Uh, oh, and- no, 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 no. You just have Steven Adams basically play one man zone. No, I, I, is what you're saying. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. I force Russell Westbrook to be a screener by yeah. having Steven Adams guarding him. Yeah, this and is you what don't I would Russ. do. Oh yeah, I mean, I I would put Steven on Russ. Well, you know what'd be great. You know, it'd be great. I mean, the Thunder know every single tick that gets Russell to make a playoff series about Russell. So. From a mental side, like that, that is what you do if you're the Thunder, right? Yeah, absolutely. You do the disrespectful. <laughs> no, we, we're like, putting our center on you because yeah. we know we know what you can do and we know what you can't do. Yeah. I mean, force. I mean, if Russ becomes a screener for Harden, it becomes messy immediately, and you have to change your your scheme. But Russell never, never in his career became a constant screener for others, like. It, this is not what he does. It's it's just not in his DNA to be a screener for others. And and if you put Adams on him, then it's basically okay for Steven to be to switch on whoever screens for for us, which will not be hardened. And so you have a favorable matchup, even with against a guy like Eric Gordon or Daniel House or whoever, you have a chance. Um, and if Russ doesn't use a screen and just goes for his pull up and or drive, you have Steven dropping and you live with it. I would really try that. Or as you said, like a four one zone, basically where you have like your centers that play zone and, but, but you cannot really do that because you have Harden. So you, you really have to, to, to make Steven the, the main defender of Russ. I'm not sure that Billy has the guts to do that. And and even if that is the right choice, because probably I'm not thinking about the 99 other consequences, bad consequences for OKC if you put Adams on, on Russell Westbrook. But I'm thinking about it since, I don't know, last time that the Rockets played the Thunder. And I think you have to give it a try. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I mean, it, that seems to me like a thing they go to every once in a while and maybe in fourth quarters, but not for an entire game. Yeah, because Steven will be tired if you do that. 
Steven, Probably. you have an opportunity to make Steven unbelievably exhausted if you play it right if you're Houston. Yeah. And 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 you do if you're guarding Russ, like you are making Russ it's it's not like the conventional will have your center guard the guy who can't shoot in the playoffs type of thing because of how often Russell has the ball. It's not a put your center on Andre Robertson kind of situation. No, no, yeah. You're you're still making Steven be remarkably active. And even if you let Steven sag off 10 feet off of Russell Westbrook, Russ can still drive by Steve. I'm not I'm not saying you're necessarily wrong. I'm just saying like I don't know if there's a perfect answer. It's just mm-hmm. it's tough. It's tough. And then when Russ drives by Steve, who's the backline help? Gallinari? Yeah. It's not a Lou Dort. <laughs> yeah, Dort. Um, or maybe they just put Dort and, and Shea on Harden and Russ and and they just try to You think you think Nerlens Noel becomes more more important in that series? Um uh, no, because he'll be completely useless offensively. He, they will play him out of the court because he, he cannot get you anything down low in terms of post touches or he's not a great screener. He's a good screener, but not great. The Rockets switching everything takes away the lob. And so I'm not sure how, how much Noel, he, he's surely better in terms of mobility and and he can be switchy for like a few possessions here and there like he did last season against Lillard. But I'm not sure. I would probably bet that Muscala plays a lot of minutes if you play the Rockets because you need yeah. that. You need to expose everyone uh, in the um, in the when when the Rockets play defense. And you need to space the court the best you can. You already have Dort, and so they will probably already give him a lot of space. If you give him also a guy like Noel on the court, you are in trouble with Steven you can really try to post him up, especially if he's the version of Steven that we saw in the first few games. Yeah. Fred, did you answer the question? Houston or, or OKC? Oh, who would be favored? Yeah, I guess I didn't even answer the question. I just kind of started talking. <laughs> then we got into a whole conversation about Steven Adams and PJ Tucker. Uh, we, we somehow analyzed Nerland Noel's u- u- usefulness in the series before we said who would be favored and answered the question directly, <laughs> which which honestly is the perfect way for a basketball conversation with me and Michele to go. Um, <laughs> who would be? I think Houston would be favored. Who would, yeah. who would you pick to win it? Like you're 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 picking for the athletic. Who would you say wins? Um, who has home court? That was a joke. Um, <laughs> um, I I think I'd say Houston in seven, but I wouldn't feel good about it. Yeah, I think I think it's really tough. It's a really yeah. tough series. Like I just I think so much of this stuff is God. So much of it is matchups. Like Houston OKC and Houston Utah would both be fascinating to me. Houston Denver would be fascinating to me. Like, that's why Houston went the route that they went, right? All of these teams have really good bigs that are central to what they do in the Western Conference. The Lakers have them. I mean, all these teams have really good bigs that are central to what they do. Um, So I think I I would say Houston – I'm just going off the top of my head. I could – if this happens, I'll delve into it deeper and – 
do more research on this than just saying a name off the top of my head. So I think I think I'd say Houston, but I'm not as 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 is the number one most intelligent thing to say on a recorded podcast that doesn't get edited. Don't quote me on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it is. I, I would probably pick the same thing, Houston and seven. But I don't mm-hmm. I don't know how many people would be surprised if OKC actually won that series because I, I think that we've seen a lot from Russell over the past few years that says that he I mean, you can get in his head in a playoff series and what better team to get in his head than his former team and Chris Paul. I mean, I think that that is a really interesting scenario. And then I just, mean, you know, what's really important for that series, too. Hmm. I mean, the Thunder have a guy that if he's the same guy was arguably the best James Harden defender in the NBA. Yeah. Like if Andre Robertson is two years ago, Andre Robertson, two and a half years ago, Andre Robertson, who was better at guarding Andre Robert, like, like the James Harden types, James Harden, DeMar DeRozan without fouling. Yeah. Yeah. Who was better at that? I I don't know if there was literally a defender in the league who was better at that. Dre is so good at getting his hand in and getting it out of the way in time. It, yeah, unbelievable at it, and and an amazing scouting report defender. So if he is, I have no idea how good he is at that now. I just I have no clue. There is no way for any of us to know with any confidence. But if he is still great at that, that is really big for them. Yeah, one thing that I I think my my if I had to bet, I would bet Houston even in six, uh, because. I do think that the talent gap is is wide. Uh, they have two of the twenty best players in the league, and this this accounts for something. And but, but Russ is Russ, and if you have uh, like a lot of defenders that you can try to put on guys like him and Harden, and OKC has them. I mean, Shea is okay. Um, you have Dort, you have Hami, you have Ferguson, you have Dre, you have a lot of guys that you can put on them for a few possessions um, and and see if 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 it is your her, like their days uh, their day i mean if if they have something to um, to put on the court so that i think is important um, if one of these guys show up in a game it could make a difference and maybe stray i if i have to bet today i don't think that his first step is as good as before. And so it would be extremely tough for him to play a guy like Harden. Um, but yeah, I mean, OKC has a lot of guys that can try to to guard Houston star. But still, I mean, Harden can go for 50 in a game. And it could be just that. I mean, if he if his step back is like in the 30, in the 30s, like I 30s, there's nothing you can do. So I don't know. I still don't know if Houston gets the four seed or the three seed because I think that is still in place, right? Yeah, I mean they're two games back of of the Nuggets, who mm-hmm. who won mm-hmm. a big one yesterday. Yeah. So and and yeah. and loss columns not as important now, right? Because they don't play the same amount of games. Yeah, it will be tough. It will be really tough. I mean, I think the only thing that that will change this Houston OKC matchup as if OKC wets the bed the rest of the way and the Jazz put you know pull it together. 
but it, it doesn't. Yeah, but OKC needs one, basically, and they clinch the, the, the five seed. If my, I did some calculation, and if they win one, yeah, I, uh, I mean that's what I'm saying. Like the Thunder, just have to, the Thunder just have to be very bad from here on out to get there. Would but, Would you rather Would you rather play Houston or Denver if you're the Thunder? Um, I think Denver just feels like like a more benign matchup, right? <laughs> it's like okay, like if the Thunder so, lose, we know that that's a better team kind of thing. I don't know. There's just right, there's just too, right. much so Andrew, there's too much emotion. There's too much emotion. Let's talk. Let's talk. All right. This was a two-part question that I tricked you into by posing as a one-part question. All right. You never hear anybody. I want to hear one time. I want to hear somebody in a press conference. I want to hear a reporter raise their hand, get called on and say, "Uh, yeah, coach, uh, one-part question. Uh, (laughs) One-part. Just want to hear that. Um, All right. Part two of the question. You, Sam Presti just resigned. You were you are tasked with taking over the Thunder right now. You're now leading the Thunder. Um, you throw in the last two games so you can play Denver in the first round. Home court doesn't matter. Uh, I think... It's just matchups. I think, yes, I would for, as the GM, two reasons. One, I would love to keep the pick, and that would give me the best chance to keep the pick. And then, I don't know, Denver is a obviously a very good team. I don't I don't know if if those guys are going to perform in the playoffs. And and the Thunder have a lot of guys too that we don't know if they're going to perform in the playoffs, but the the volatility of the Houston series is is emotionally going to be a tough one to to handle. <laughs> so and especially as the GM of the Thunder. I mean right now I'm just a podcaster. Then I'm the GM of the Thunder. Like the emotions that go into that, like I don't know. I mean I've do I carry the weight of the hardened trade on my shoulders as the new GM? I mean, no. So yeah, yeah, free. you do. You do you make you whatever. Do. To, oh no, you carry the weight. You carry the emotional weight. <laughs> yeah, because I, because I, because I know you. I know you, and I'm certain <laughs> you would carry the weight. I would definitely carry the weight. <laughs> that would be that would be the first thing you would say. I I would be at that press conference at your opening GM press conference, and I would say, "Uh, yeah, Andrew, uh, one part question: What do you think of the Harden trade?" <laughs> I would I would for sure talk a lot less uh, yeah. at my press conferences, <laughs> so <laughs> not as much transcribing for you guys that out be there. A, uh, the GM of the Thunder just released a statement. All it says is, "I'm down to Dort, and he's not having a press conference about it." <laughs> <laughs> um, he just ate cinnamon toast crunch the whole time and just nodded. Yeah, he he started he started pouring milk at a press conference. <laughs> There's nothing grosser to bring to a whole at a press conference than a whole milk. Just a gallon of milk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I would definitely have some kind of breakfast item just occurrence at a press conference for sure. I once in, in high school, somebody dared me to bring a toaster to history class and, and toast pop tarts in class. And, uh, I of course did it. Um, and so I'm, I'm always up for some kind of breakfast shenanigans. And as the GM of the thunder would definitely do that. When, when I was, when I was in high school, one of my, teachers because i would always bring sweets to class i forget the exact details but one of my teachers who i had a very joking relationship 
and I was not a good student. Uh, one of one of my teachers made a joke about how I'm uh, not going like I, I didn't do my homework because I was I was too busy making deep fried Twinkies again. And it was it was a food joke, not a fat joke. And uh, and so the next day we had a test. And so just to further the joke, I actually went out and bought Twinkies and fried them in my kitchen at home in lieu of studying and brought them into the test and sat down. <laughs> and my teacher thought it was hilarious. And then I did terribly on the test. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know why I thought doing this. I'll be like, he'll think it's funny. and It'll give me a good grade. And then I just did terribly because I didn't study the night before. It's a part of the bit though, right? It's doing, all part of the doing, bit. It would be less, test. right? It would be less funny if I like aced it. Yeah, no, you could, you couldn't have aced it from there. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Oh man, thanks for listening to Down to Dunk. Make sure that you're following Fred Katz and read Fred Katz on the Athletic, please. It's great stuff. You can get forty percent off at the Athletic if you go to theathletic.com/slash/down-to-dunk. Uh, also follow Michele on Twitter at Mikey Barra. Hope you guys have a great start of your week. And we'll talk to you guys again on Wednesday. What a way to end the show.